Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, bots and cons to Tech Talk, the officially unofficial Transformers TCG podcast. I'm joined, as always, by Scott of VectorSigma.info. And Scott, spring has finally sprung. Uh, there isn't a whole lot of snow on the ground, although it's very, very wet. Yeah, my lawn's like a swamp. Yeah, <laughs> definitely very much so. And my dog, I don't know about yours, but she despises getting wet. So it's always a challenge even to get her to go outside and <laughs> win this. Yeah, happens. we had, we had to wait till it calmed down. They had their big one a few minutes ago, so hopefully it'll be hopefully it'll be quiet. Well, if not, we always have our our uh, special guests that make get, yeah. our guest appearances. So it wouldn't be a show without them showing up. So correct. Well, we have a short show for you folks. Uh, I guess we're going to call it a night after that because there's really not a lot of news. <laughs> uh, there are there are only really two major things to to go over, I guess. There was the rules roundup, Scott. There wasn't really anything in there that stood out to me that was abnormal that needed to be called out or called attention to. Was there anything for you? No, I don't remember anything of any significance, <laughs> to be honest with you. That's kind of how I took it. If I, I couldn't even recall anything, I usually put them on here in case that there is something, but it seemed like everything that we were kind of expecting at this stage. Uh, yep. Nothing really jumping out. So other than that, the other major news item is TFCon, which happened recently. And maybe the most interesting part about it is that there's going to be more TFCons. And why does that matter for the TCG? Well, because there were a bunch of events at TFCon and we're assuming and hoping that there are going to be a lot more going forward. Yeah, I think it's an opportunity for uh, the East Coast uh, to get involved because it's in the D.C. area. Um, it's the first time that the uh the tfcon people whatever you want to call them have run three three conventions in one year i'm told so in one calendar year so um i think it's good i think it shows a lot of interest in the brand and shows a lot of interest like transformers in general right um which can only be peripherally good for uh the card game and i think i think it's far enough out being the end of october that um we'll probably have like multiple sets more between that and i think it's a i think it's an opportunity for some third party because I don't I don't think that Wizards would run anything there uh, or Hasbro or anything like that because they're usually not affiliated with the convention right at all. But um, I think it's a good opportunity for a non-official uh, third party to run events. I don't know the costs or anything like that, but I mean I think it's a good opportunity and I think it's it's, it's definitely a good opportunity for new players to get involved as well. Exactly. Um, so yeah, it, I think it can only help. Yep, it's good to have a public event like that where it's a lot of people it's obvious that people are there specifically for transformers potentially get a lot of crossover and it just gets in general more eyeballs on the game because i mean we talk about it a lot offline and i know a lot of other groups everybody's always interested in growth so it's always good to have the potential that you're getting those other people interested whether they're they're coming from a dedicated gaming background or transformers or something else or nothing else yeah. or whatever so I just wanted to call attention to that since it is going to be showing up, I, I guess you'll call it in our area. Like you said, it's the East Coast, but it's <laughs> it's not exactly just jump in the car, we'll grab breakfast and go over there. It's going to be kind of a little bit more involved than that. Yeah, it's in the D.C. area, so like we have to have get hotel rooms and things like that, but it shouldn't be that big of a deal if there's anything actually going on. Exactly. It's kind of a throwback to uh, a lot of the other games that you and I used to play where it's, okay, well, now it's an event. You've got to make a weekend of it, and you're going somewhere. So it, it's going to be fun to to go and travel again if we have events to play in at it. Yep. 
So those are the the two major news items. Like I said, it, it was kind of short this week as far as news goes, but that does leave us a lot of breathing room for our main topics, which we're gonna pull up right now. So real quick, did we did we ever talk about the Megatron? Well, when we started the like Starscream getting revealed or anything like that, did we ever talk about that? I don't think he was. Was he actually revealed, or was it just kind of like people? Sneaking it like we don't know what the actual text on him is yet, just that he's there. No, we could just we could just see that he's there. That's all. So right. we know it's Megatron, Starscream, Bumblebee, and Windblade. So there is something that if you squint on the the images now that you bring it up on Megatron that it it looks like it says gain attack until end of turn, but it's reminder text. Yeah. So I was trying to figure out what exactly that was, but I mean, it, all of them because it's a starter are presumably just going to be one liners. Like the Bumblebee looks like it has uh, either bold or tough. Or something like that. Yeah, or, or Brave or Brave or something. I can't tell what it says. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's going to be a one-liner. I mean, it's a starter. You want to introduce people in the, the easiest way possible. Uh, I'm curious whether, and we did talk about this with Windblade, whether it's going to be exact mirrors. So the star screen will be five stars. Or if we're going to get you know some weird combination. Yeah, the only thing is you can see a sparring gear. So I guess they're going to, they're going to put green in the starter, which I think is... Which is good because like yeah. it's a more advanced um, mechanic, so that's good. Yeah, that's actually interesting that they're doing that. So because they they could have very easily just gone the other way and said, "Nope, we're going to do blue and orange, and that's it." Right. Agreed. Oh, it looks like uh, Wreck and Rule in chat is saying it is, or oh, he's saying love five star star scream. Um, <laughs> do you guys know if it is? Has that been said anywhere, or is that just no? You can you can always see the top. You can always okay. see the top of it. So no problem. Um, so one other thing, right before we get into it, wanted to give a quick shout out to, uh, Eric from the Central Jersey crew, who I had the chance to sit down and talk with at the event that we'll be going into detail about momentarily. Uh, he gave us a bunch of pointers and a bunch of feedback on both the show and VectorSigma.info itself, as well as a number of other facets that we're trying to do. So quick shout out to him. Definitely appreciate the feedback. And for anybody else out there that's interested we do want to and i know scott has been posting it when he posts when the show goes live and on the site and all the other places that you find everything we would love to do a listener question section so don't be shy definitely hit us up you can find the contact info either on the actual website any of the hundred thousand facebook posts that scott has to create all every time or all the other social media places definitely hit us up wherever you happen to feel comfortable and let us know what you want to hear about or if you know it's just random questions we'll we want to do kind of a mailbag either every episode or a dedicated episode we'll see how it works out yep so i like i said just wanted to get that in real quick because if we leave it to the end sometimes people may not hear it or if i do in the beginning nobody pays attention to me doing the intro it's all (laughs) wrote by now so uh i gotta come up with better jokes in the beginning but anyway so there are two decks that we wanted to talk about today. Both are brand new things as opposed to last week when we were talking about updated things with Wave 2. And both of them happen to be combiner teams. So if you love turning little guys into big guys, well, you might like one of these because there's a uh, a spoiler for <laughs> one of them. They don't really combine. As you may notice by the deck list up there that has zero enigmas for the Sentinel deck. So Scott, the, we had tested... I'm a, it looked like a pretty similar version ourselves. There's a couple changes that we're going to get into, but were you expecting this going into this case event? Uh, I guess so. Um, maybe not exactly the way that this one played out. Um, mm-hmm. 
in, in terms of a, a Sentinel deck, I would say it was slightly different. Um, the the play style was uh, well thought out uh, by the players. Yeah, um, for sure. Like the, the attack order and things like that, which was not very much different than other orders we had tested out. But um, I think the I think the complete lack of wanting to combine led to other deck design choices, such as um, like not worrying about at all activating the Optimus ability, even as like a, oh, by the way. Right. Um, so like they really, well, the deck did have a token number of blues in it. It wasn't like dedicated to trying to get those. So yes. uh, in any kind of even, you know, split or anything like that. Or So it was basically just a bunch of good cards, to be honest with you. Yeah, and it it performed really well. I know it stomped me in round one. Did you you played against this version towards the the end of the the main part of the event before the actual elimination rounds, right? Yeah, I played against it round four. It was my only. Uh, we went to three games. I won the first game, and then he like uh, crushed pretty much in game two. And I think I got kind of crushed in game three. I don't remember exactly how it went, but uh, uh, I didn't win. But right. that was my only that was my loss of the day. So yeah. So just for all our audio listeners or anybody out there in uh, I was going to say TV land, but then they would be able to see it. Uh, anybody who can't actually see the deck list, they are a up on vectorsigma.info, but b we're looking at a primarily orange sentinel list. So it's running, you know, your six sentinels. Obviously, Optimus starts in play, but also Ironhide and Prowl. They're the bold guys. In case you're worried. The other ones, Hot Rod, Mirage, and uh, who am I missing? Sunstreaker. Sunstreaker. They're, they start in the KO pile, and they kind of have the better flips anyway. Uh, I mean, obviously, outside of certain scenarios. But the deck basically is, you know, a whole lot of orange. Like Scott was saying, it's some token blue stuff, but it really is pretty mean because you can get to, for lack of a better way to describe it, bug numbers very easily. And your guys have 10 health. Uh, you do have some token blues, so maybe they'll survive a couple hits. You can also do kind of funny things with Static Laser of Ironhide, because, hey, it actually runs a decent Ironhide. Um, it, for me, like I said, it crushed me in round one, because he went... John had gone Mirage into Sentinel Commands, and then Espionages, and basically shredded my hand, and from there, it's like, okay, if I'm not playing any cards a turn, your guys are better than mine. For pretty much across the board, because I was playing Superion. Uh, and it didn't go well for me. And it obviously served him very well through the remainder of the event. So is there anything in here, Scott, that jumped out at you that you didn't expect? Or what, where would you, where do you want to start on this? Do you want to start with potential changes that I would assume we want to hold that till later? No, we can hold that till last. I mean, I, I would say that the deck plays more like, um, to me, it's a better version of Dinobots than it is like closer yeah. to a, like an all-in aggro deck. Like, um, I mean, it is an it is an aggro deck, but I mean, it's not as, I guess you could say, like glass cannon or suicide aggro, like the way that it's a, more a disruptive runs. aggro because it can do. I mean, even I know I was harping on the mirage thing, but it also you get an onboard burn effect in hot rod and because it's sturdier you it's exactly what you said it's not going to be all in glass cannon yeah the combat commands i mean in any sentinel deck whichever version you're going to run the combat commands even though it seems like on paper it's not as powerful it winds up being your most powerful card because it actually yeah. allow, it allows you to 
to have one of at least three and eventually like, you know, four or five in, in a worst case scenario type of effects on it when you attack with it as well, as well as sporting a white pip, which isn't irrelevant and, um, and plus one attack. So it, it's similar to a lot of the other utilities that are now currently seeing play yep. uh, in the metagame. And then it gives you a small attack buff as well as um, an onboard effect. What the Sentinel decks do best um, and this is why I think they're actually, for what they do, superior to Dinobots. Um, and similar to, they're a little bit. It's a little bit different than the way like a Cars deck operates, but like it's it's most similar to Dinobots um, in that they they actually create onboard advantage at all times. So what what the deck does really well and needs to do really well is essentially play two cards a turn. Like it it, it is it is very good at. Um, because you have a Sunstreaker in uh, starts off in the graveyard, so you pretty much have an extra card in your hand whenever you need it. Um, one time you have you have these effects one time, but then obviously Combat Commands gives you additional uh, play with them. This specific version of the deck, because it does not actually, not only does it not want to combine, doesn't even have the ability to. Um, you actually can wind up flipping the characters in the KO pile a second time if the game goes along, especially against control decks. You don't have that much time um, usually against uh, other aggro decks. But what it basically allows you to do is it has a... With a three-character list where they're, all, where they're all individually... At least the two bold guys are individually powerful on offense. Right. And Optimus has a huge amount of hit points. Um, and they both... And, like, two of the characters have built in two toughness, so, like, that's pretty... So, again, that's also similar usually to Dinobots and things like that, but they have slightly more, like more health than Snarl, less health than Sludge, and obviously um, Grimlock. Optimus has more health, more health than Grimlock. So like, it's very similar in, in that matter as well. But I think the real key is that this deck is with its card draw, with its disruption, um, and with the number of greens that you want to run in it, and more importantly, the amount of bold that there is in the deck and using that bold as that card sifting engine with green, as we as we as we talked about at length last time, um, allows you to basically every single turn play the upgrade, play the play the action, and they're powerful. They're not like, oh, if this happens, do this. Like like every single card, especially in this version, was like a good card, right? Um, so e even if the greens that you're playing might be quote slightly underpowered comparatively just because they are green so in general they are um slightly underpowered than other other um equivalents it, that really doesn't happen because you get to make it up with having essentially access to three other cards on command well um, not to interrupt so. you but the, it's also you're starting with a if and i think you had said it or I, I someone had said it before the event that one of the advantages of this is you're starting with a six card opening hand but it's not. It's it's more powerful than that, though, because right they don't they don't cost you playing the card to actually use them. They cost you what is essentially a flip, which means absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah, to all funny three story. Of the characters you actually have in play. Yeah, so. they basically never flip, and obviously, like you said earlier, that there are, there are no enigmas. There is never a game plan to try and actually combine, so that influences both the deck and play decisions. Uh, quick thing from right. ch chat, we apparently have a typo in the list. Sorry, Enforcement Batons is orange-green, not green-blue. We'll uh, oh, get that spread away later. Mm. Um, not a big deal. But, um, 
Yeah, like you were saying, because of the bold, because I I dread playing a Decepticon deck into this, because they <laughs> you're gonna find press the advantage constantly, and you're gonna have it every time between the bold and the fact that it's already green, and it's gonna set up some mean turns. Yeah, um I also just think that they the characters just do a raw, heavy amount of damage. Um so like right. you know, if you think if you figure that an orange is worth one, uh, the, if you figure the deck has like is worth one attack every single card, like the bold ones alone are going to give you eight attacks. So again, as we talked about when we first previewed them, like the prowl is almost a barrage with getting yeah. up to eight. The iron high is like a seven, and the adopt and this is like a what a six or something like that. So like yeah. they're not insignificant combat amounts, and that's before you add in. Um, obviously, this has like a good suite of weapons and a you know like really good combat abilities as well so like right. like any aggro deck i'm out so i mean it has the same weaknesses though that dinobots has like that's what that's what makes it so unique like i think that or non-unique i guess you could say like it seems to have the same weaknesses and strengths that a dinobot deck has mm-hmm. um i just feel like that's without combining and that's why when we can get in this whatever like with the changes i i think that's not 100 percent correct because your bad matchups remain bad by you giving up the ability to combine. Well, that's something, like you said, we can get into that shortly because it is yeah. something I'd like to pick your brain about because I agree with you. I think there should be at least a token enigma in here to give you that opportunity, especially because it's green. Okay, well, I don't need it this time. Well, whatever. I flipped it with Boulder on defense. You know, It matters because it changes the math, but at the end of the day, not that much. But if you do need it because of the amount of bold you can go find it. Correct. And I think I think this deck makes like really good use of like Supercharge, for example, because it's an aggro deck as well. Um, I think he played Reckless Charge. Like it's really good in this deck because yes. high health, high hit point characters. I mean, mm-hmm. there's obviously a lot of quote good stuff cards in this deck, which again, I probably wouldn't play because I just uh, the math just doesn't support playing some of these cards, but um, the concept of it is what I like, um, and the, the play style of it is what I like. Um, I, like I said, I, I just feel like it it plays a lot like Dinobots, which means it has the Dinobot weaknesses as well as the Dinobot strengths, but unlike mm-hmm. Dinobots, I feel like what the real strength of this deck could be if you went that direction is um, heavy targeted discard um, yeah. through the Mirage ability and through the, the use of playing Espionage, and I, again, I would play more of them um and if, if you read my article which as was posted thursday which is today as we're recording but thursday um i talked about flip density and this deck obviously has all the flip density you could possibly want it just comes from a different direction so it's flip lead <laughs> right so um you know you your flips always gain you something you want the first three flips always gain you something you want which i right which is not setting up for something it's just getting you something right like like they it's almost like the flip to bot mode for like predacons or like jet fire or um like starscream but that doesn't actually get you like advantage just puts you in the better mode Right. Um, like every single one of these flips gets you something and the characters are already in the combat mode you want them to be in so it plays out like it's it's really odd when you play against it because you're like oh you know my opponent's first he he's not going to get this card advantage on me and like they do because they get a flip that actually does something even though they can't even play a card 
Yeah, like, it's just it's really odd to play against because it's like it's coming. It feels like it's coming at you from multiple angles, which it is. But it's it just they have such a huge early game advantage. It's 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 really difficult to deal with. Oh yeah, they definitely come out of the gate screaming, and because of both the disruption and the pressure, it actually plays and not to digress too much into other games, but it plays into a lot of archetypes that I have played in other games and kind of like that's what I had always gravitated towards putting on pressure and then disrupting your opponent at the same time and I agree with you that I think additional copies of espionage and things along those lines are going to go a long way to making this even more of a threat which it already is so you touched on it that it has the same weaknesses as Dinobot so we've been kind of harping on the fact that okay well it pressures you a lot it's going to put out a lot of damage what actually threatens this thing on the other end before we get into changes, just so people have the full scope of what we're talking about? Um, Insecticons eats this thing for lunch. Um, right. That's one thing. I mean, I'm like, they can't... So, they should be able to kill something every attack, but it's not built into the character stats necessarily like it is like Insecticons. Mm -hmm. um, you don't have... Your third character, I mean, your third character is essentially as weak in combat as their fourth character. So you have less characters to begin with, which is which is an issue. Um, they gain more significant attacks than you. They gain, I mean, they don't draw as well. That's part of the issue. But they're also not as susceptible to, um, to having their hand know, like, shredded, like a. Yeah, to like a bad draw, like you're you're they're super don't... redundant. So like, yeah, I mean, yes, they could draw a whole bunch of improvised shields and piece through tyrannies. Like, look, it, if you played Insecticon, sometimes it happens. But odds are you're drawing weapons, whether that be you know grenade launchers or mining picks, or it's going to be reckless charges and and whatever. You're you're always advancing your board, and like you said, they punch as hard as you do, maybe or harder, and they have more guys. So it really is a serious problem. Yeah, I mean the key is also don't like don't forget that yes, they do damage in combat, but it's still bold based, which means Scrapnel just ignores that the amount of damage that you're doing. I mean, yes, you have a hot rod in that you can do one damage with, but that's still two attacks like without playing any direct damage that you have to deal to him. Yeah. So he he continues to be annoying um to other aggro decks that, that want to rely on that kind of thing. And then um, because they have more characters than you, they can set it up to where you're always attacking these relatively insignificant guys like Chop Shop or Scrapnel in this situation. Yep. Um, and so, again, as usual, their barrage and kickback can get in um, unfettered. And unfortunately, with, with them having a better draw than you, you're going to lose likely... Definitely one guy, maybe even two, depending on their draw. So, like, you're just down to like, even if even if it's ideal, it's like it can be like one of their good characters and one of their bad characters against your worst guy. After like, depending on the draw, like almost yeah. like, through the first round of combat. So, and Optimus may have a whole lot of hit points, but I mean, at the end of the day, you're still going to be able to get through them if you're playing a whole lot of oranges yourself. Mm -hmm. I mean, the key is like any weapon. Insecticon will do more damage than a weapon on any one of these characters. So, um, again, it's it's the weakness that Dinobots has always had against Insecticons. It's it's the same exact situation here, except for 
you do, in fairness, have the ability to disrupt them a little bit. So, like, if they don't have, an, if they have a less than ideal, like, they have to have, I don't know how to explain it, like, not a, if it's set the contest as a medium draw, you can make it into a worse draw through the Mirage ability and through right. espionage. Um, all especially those, if you're oh first. God. No, no. I was going to say, yeah, all those games where people have lost, and I'm sure everybody out there listening has lost a lot of these games where it's, okay, I, I can squash the bugs if they just don't have I still function, and then they have it. Well, you have Mirage to make sure they don't have it. Yeah, and I think you might. Need, I think you need to play the game out differently in those matchups as well. And I think right. I think that's something that I, I don't know that. Um, I know he he and Mark wound up. I think they wound up drawing in the in the in the round. But I but I, they were playing they were playing right next to me, and they they wound up playing a bunch of games, and like it did not work out well for the for the <laughs> Sentinel player at all. Right, it, the games were over in like five minutes. Um, so I think there's a different way that you have to play it in terms of like when you flip mm. your guys and things like that. And right, um, the, there are adjustments to the deck you can make to make it a better matchup. Um, but I'm not sure you're still going to be at a disadvantage. Like the same way you would try to adjust Dinobots for that matchup, and you could do it, but then you lost a lot of their their power, basically. Yeah, you end up, and that was one when way back when, and I don't think we did a show on this, but uh, we were talking offline about ways to adjust Dinobots, and it it felt that in order to try and achieve the better percentages in those bad matchups, that you had to almost fight what Dinobots inherently were designed to do, and as a result, the, the deck felt weaker overall, but it was a, sa- a necessary sacrifice in order to to accomplish that goal if that is your goal. And maybe at the end of the day, it's you just have to accept, well, you're not going to beat everything. Right. Um, I just don't know. I think, I think there, there's more ways around it than it was for Dynamics. I think they had no chance, whereas the, this, with the disruptive elements, I think has a chance. Yeah, well, it, it feels, because of all those things, that your matchups against everything else are going to be so strong that... A, you could just, as we said, eat the bad matchup and just say, look, it happens. Or because you have all of these options and so much control over the flow of a given game that, like you said, you could adjust for the bug matchup and then simultaneously just rely on, well, every game I'm going to espionage you turn one, sort of air quotes espionage, with Mirage. We're going to disruptive entrance you turn one every game if I want to. And rely, lean on that heavily to say, okay, this is how I'm going to beat those other matchups. Yeah, I think the only disadvantage, like, because we had built a, 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 a more split down the middle Dinobots that had a, when I was play testing in a much better matchup against Insecticons and much worse matchups against other things. Mm-hmm. And the only issue that I think that this deck would have is that you would get no use out of rollout, which means you lose oh, yeah, one rolling. of the double one of the double fifth cards so like i think that's a dangerous territory to go into because of that even though it does make decent use of the matrix it makes really bad use of rollout well yes it does <laughs> almost <laughs> literally nothing yes um so i mean if, i guess because you would want them back in the i don't know i'm, I'm not even going to try and postulate on why or <laughs> no, there's, there's, why. No, there's no need for it all. <laughs> we'll just be wasting time uh yeah well speaking of rollout uh Shout out to Stefan and Chad because he, he had mentioned a while ago that he combines when we were talking about how this deck never combines. Uh, and he did do that against me and uh, smashed, <laughs> smashed me one game with that. So 
what changes do you think are necessary for this? You had mentioned espionage earlier. Are you saying play a full set of those? I mean, I would. I mean, I see no turn where you wouldn't want to do that. So hmm. um, I think I, I think I would. Um, I don't know if he played uh, any token number of confidences, but I'd probably run one or two of those as well. Hmm. No, there are no confidences uh, in the list, but the uh, they could probably get swapped out for those power swords. Unless, do you think that's really necessary for the additional bold slash blue? I, I don't think power sword has, should see any play anymore because I would rather just run backup beam than it if I'm even running blue in a bold deck. Uh huh. So I, I don't think that you should play that card at all. Yeah, and the I match clearly doesn't support an orange deck to play it since yeah, day one. So. I think backup beam is a, a good replacement for it also, even if maybe you need to overlap on the slots there. Um, the uh, Oh, Chad is asking, uh, what about the triple bashing shield? Do you think that's overkill at this stage? Of course, but I mean, that's just the way I feel about it. Almost any green you don't want to cast every single turn, it's the overkill to play three of them. Right. Well, in this case, he was running the full set of press the advantage, which I... I don't know. I feel like that one's good enough that even, you know, in those Autobot mirror matchups, they're not really mirrors, but Autobot v. Autobot, it's still plus two attack. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, the other the other thing, I, I guess one other strength I forgot to mention about the deck real quick is that, like, that 10 health on those two guys is just really awkward for some reason. Yes. It's very... It's, for some reason, I could always get them to 9, and they always had one hit yeah. point left. It was just weird. <laughs> I was about to say that. Like, I don't want to say it's easy to get them to 9, but it's certainly... Like, getting over that, that final inch to get to 10 feels tough. It was just weird. For I don't know why. I mean, I, I'd have to really play it out, but for some reason, like, that extra point of health was really annoying. Right. So, but, um... We're talking about other, like, so, yeah, the, the main thing is, like, with green is that I, I just wouldn't play full play sets of things unless you were absolutely wanting to play one every single turn because you're going to see them so often that that's actually possible. Right. So, um, the big thing for me is, like, if you're going to play a lot of green utilities, you can actually get away, not utilities, uh, upgrades in general, mm. you can get away with playing actually less upgrades in your deck. So I don't think this deck makes great use of it because um, because you're an orange-based deck. I don't think you want as many Noble Blasters or um, backup beams, and I don't think Enforcement Batons is very good at all. Yeah, that one seems unnecessary. I could, I guess I get the logic of it initially of, well, it probably was some combination of, well, there's there's random weapons I'm okay with, with popping, and it's also a green. So if I really need it, I have the ones, one of, but... I think there's your one-up slot for Enigma pretty pretty easily. I think it's oh, bad. Oh, God. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> it's windy. It's windy. Okay. I'm outside walking at the door. <laughs> All right. Um, I, don't think it's, I don't think that it's a bad card in general. I think it's bad in this deck because when Prowl eventually dies, you have that ability right on a card in play. Yeah. It starts in play. And I wouldn't be surprised like, if he's the first one to eat it as well. Yeah, and you can set that up if you, I mean, if you really wanted to, which you usually don't, but, like, you could set that up if you were really fearing a certain level. Right. Or anything like that. So we did get a, we did get a few questions from the chat, mostly surrounding um, null pips. Specifically, you know, your favorites, the burn cards, Plasma Burst, One Shall Stand, maybe Eye Still Functions. Anything along those lines that you were planning including? Yeah, of course. 
<laughs> well, I mean, it, it, that feels. What kind of question is that? Well, <laughs> yeah, I know it's a little silly to ask the man who who's been pushing for one shell stand. The, I guess the question is, are you just slotting them in for the blue pips because they're not going to do anything on offense anyway, and it's just the burn? Is it as simple as that? I mean, it helps you get around your scrapman problem. It helps you get around the insecticon problem in general. You can pile enough damage to get turns that are two for one because your characters are big enough to kill guys in combat. And then if you can get incremental damage through your other guys, you, you can set up two for one turns, which is exactly what you need as any three character deck against the Cyclotons yep. to do. So, I mean, I don't leave home without it, but you know, that's me. <laughs> but uh, the key also is, though, if you're going to run this many greens, you only just pitch them to the greens. So it's not that big of a deal. Like, they're, they're obviously more powerful in your hand, and they are flipped because they have no effect on combat, but I don't see it as that big of a deal. No, that makes sense. Oh. Uh, what about the uh, the perennial favorite of mining pick? So I, I guess it needs to go in there. I haven't played with it enough, and there is no inherent advantage in this deck. Like uh, There isn't like the common Bumblebee or like any other card, card draw engine during combat that allows you to use it really effectively, but I mean, any deck that runs Improvised Shield probably should be running it. Right. And the other, the other issue is the mining pick work overtime uh, combination is going to be a lot more powerful than we have access to right now. So absolutely, although that's not too far around the corner. It's uh, at the time of the record. Well, by the time this goes live, it'll only be a few more days, and then we'll be up and running on that end. Right. So yeah, I would definitely, I would definitely slot in money picks, and that um, I think, I think once work overtime comes out, money pick even helps out with the decks that want to combine and you want to use it the Optimus uh, flip. Right. Because you can always just put a double pip or a white on top to facilitate that. So I think that combination is going to see play regardless of which version you're going to be running. Makes sense. Yeah, so I, if anybody out there who... I know we had asked... It's funny, when we sat down at the event and I looked around at the sea of Superion that was there, but also a few Sentinel decks, and you know, I'm, I'm sure in a couple weeks when we have another event coming up that we're going to see more combiners, I distinctly recall you asking Drew in one of the interviews that were combiners intended to be, you know, at the competitive level, were they intended to be up there? And he had kind of a cagey answer, but basically it amounted to, yes, there are going to be some good combiner teams. <laughs> this one seems okay. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> it seems it seems all right. Um, it, was there anything else that, that jumped out at you that you definitely said this has got to get slammed in there? Like you were running double Optimus. Did it ever tempt you to run Ion Blaster in this? No, because he's not the main attacker. Um, I would run. I like the two all Iron High Blaster. I think that gives you enough time to set up. You can make him the third attacker so that you try to have it on him when he attacks. Right. Um, I got. If he ran Erratic Lightning, I would not run that because I think the two defense is one of the strengths of the deck. I agree. Inborn on the guys. Um, it definitely elongates yeah, I, their lifespan by a lot more than you might think. Yeah, like, I, I would probably run the token one Enigma, although I have to admit that, like, like the thing I like about it is it, it allows your last attacker, especially it's most of the time your last guy alive is probably, ideally for you, if you had to choose guys that die, like it would be like Ironheart or Proud die last. But usually, what happens is Optimus is still around, even though I think you should be attacking with him early to allow him to soak hits. Right. And now you're going from like 
four attack to what nine or something like that. Um, yeah. So it's a huge it's a huge step up in the attack there. Um, the only thing is like you're not taking a huge advantage of the defensive plan if you're not running any blues whatsoever. So um, I got you. You can still run like one noble blaster or something like that. But at least you're getting you know additional card draw out of the deal, which will probably help in that situation. But mm-hmm. like I would run it as the one enigma just to be able to basically try to turn my optimus into an optimus maximus, which is obviously a much better. It's not a better defender, but it, but it's a better attacker. So like it can help mm. you get over that hump, in my opinion. Um, but time well, will tell. I mean, maybe it's not necessary at all. I, I just think I would want to run it as a one of person. Well, especially this early, it's worth trying out just to see, as you said, as a one of just to see if it works. But you had mentioned earlier that you had felt that the Enigma would help in the bad matchup. So were, were you thinking that when you had said that that? turning into Optimus Maximus is helping against bugs or which bad matchup did you have in mind that it's going to fix? Yeah. I mean, it's specifically that the Optimus that would be left over with uh four or five attack is just way weaker than what the Optimus Maximus would be. Mm-hmm. So instead of you getting, instead of forcing you to, to play a combat action and, you know, play a good weapon on him, you could, the Enigma will just do both those things in one giving you essentially, I think, plus five attack right. at the minimum. Yeah, so, you're probably um, pushing more, 11 more, damage at that health, stage. Technically, so. Yes, there is that. <laughs> Never forget about that. So, um, we're saying the t- if we're saying the nine, from getting from nine to ten is annoying, I'm sure getting from six billion to six billion one, whatever, however much health he has on it, <laughs> All right. uh, will, be just, will be just as annoying. So Right. And it is a, a valid point. It may seem counterintuitive because a lot of the bugs are so squishy, but it, for example, I know... And it's not specifically testing this stack, but just in general against bugs. They'll be down to one guy, and that one guy is barrage because of just the way things worked out. And the 11 health plus one defense, so effectively 12 health, can be really weird. And sometimes, usually, it requires two hits, or a hit and help, like a one-shell stand or whatever. And as a result, that gives them just enough time to get there. So I see what you're saying. We're turning it to Optimus Maximus. You just go, no, 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 no. I'm getting there right now and squash the bug. Yeah, that's that's one way I can see it. Um, mm. We'll see how it works out, but I wouldn't run more than one because I just don't think you need them as much. Well, as you said, there, and that was something that, as I'm watching my opponent, you know, play out their turns, you cycle the deck very, relatively quickly, so you're gonna see those because of all the bold and because of all the other effects that you're you're going to get there. You'll you'll end up having time to find an enigma. Whether you have time to get set up to combine as a result of that enigma, I think, is going to be the bigger question. Right. Agreed. Uh, so any other thoughts on Sentinels, whether it's be, you know, what it's preying on or what preys on it or any other changes that you want to make? We didn't cover the leaps that were in here, but you did briefly mention that you probably wanted to just cut down to maybe just Matrixes as blue pips. Uh, matrixes, and you can run like a token noble blaster here or there, or something like that. But that's that's about it that I would run. So you're you're really leaning into the uh, the old Dinobot shell, where it's basically you know you got your D- Dino Chomps matrices. I guess they were running rollouts, but that's about it. Yeah, I mean, I think you just play your strengths. So I mean, if you're going to start with the two bold guys, you want to make sure mm-hmm. that you actually take advantage of the bold. So now, w- what about? I guess one other point to call out sequencing, because you had mentioned offline that you'd seen a lot of people, and 
when we had played against John on site, I didn't get a chance to watch your game, but I know he definitely sequenced it this way. And you alluded to it earlier. Optimus is generally getting in first, correct? Uh, yeah, I, I think the thing to understand is that, like, you're getting in with, like, I, I can't think of a, like, it's very difficult for Prow to take out somebody on the first turn. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't even, I can't even, fa- like, you'd have to know your opponent's deck side, like, if they were heavily blue or heavily orange, and then you'd be able to make a different decision. Uh, but generally, I like, I like, if you think about just your typical, I, I tend to just think of my Insecticon matchup and having to do 10. Yeah. Um, it, 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 mathematically, <laughs> he, he should do 10, but, like, that's... I mean, if you're running enough direct damage, like, even things like Zap, like, I can understand sending in Prowl to take out Kickback, but, like, you have to understand that you're going to be similar to the old... like, the, the old touch matchup. Like, if you miss, you're, you lose. Right. Uh, so... You know, only I you mean, have less only, chance of hitting. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's the only chance you're going to get. Don't get me wrong, but that's I, that's one of the things I want to run on to see like how realistic that is. But that's the only exception I can see to that rule because, in all likelihood, he may not die right away, but he's going to die relatively easily in at least probably one hit and one direct damage card from them coming back. So, right, um, it's up to you if you want to change that. But other other than that, like. Other than that specific corner case scenario, which I'd have to run the math on, but I think it probably favors it. Um, I would probably just send Optimus first to take the hits because it's 15 hit points and two health are where you want to be soaking as many hits as possible. Makes sense. What about, since we were talking about who leads off from an attack perspective, who are you leading off with typically for your flips? Or is it matchup dependent as well there? I don't think that's as matchup dependent. Um, I think it's... I think if you're on the play going first, you should lead out with Sunstreaker to try to set up. Um, again, I'm playing more espionage in my version of the deck, but um, to try to set up a, 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 a double discard against them on turn two, uh-huh. which can be quite devastating when they only are only able to play one card. So basically, you use the Mirage first, obviously look at their hand, and then use the espionage second to guarantee taking out the most important card that they have. Um, so that to me seems like it can be more dangerous than just miraging them on one and then drawing a card on, on your second turn. So I think that should be the order that you are going with. Um, I obviously, you know, I don't think you should, you know, flip hot rod again, unless you're in this situation. So I guess, and that's, so never mind. I guess, I guess I'm wrong. The hot rod <laughs> will help you take out, the hot rod will help you take out the kickback. So against Insecticons, I would attack with Prowl first into, into kickback. Um, but otherwise, you know, and probably just use the hot rod ability like second right there and then, or third, I guess, and just keep them alive if you can, if you have that much time. Um, but you probably won't. So I probably just use it right away. So other than that matchup, um, that's I would normally flip Sunstreaker first, flip Mirage second, and then use hot rod later. But I think specifically in the Insecticon matchup, I'd probably just auto flip hot rod on one just in case prowl can't get there and then try to get there with prowl and then you're back in the same situation of if you miss you probably lose but i think it's the only way you can win that matchup so yeah it's one of those if it's if the matchup turns out to be that bad and there aren't any battle deck changes that really shift it entirely massive amounts of percentage points i guess 
that is the play. You just it may be a, a gamble, but a gamble is better than a zero percent. I guess is the way to look yeah, at it. Yeah, yeah. If you're already losing that match, that's why you have to play direct damage in your deck to set up that turn too. So like. Hmm. To be honest, like if you ha- obviously you have a one child stand or a plasma verse in hand, you should do eight damage. So like he should be left at two is the point. So like again, it's going to be really difficult to kill him even with the hot rod ability. But if you have the direct damage in your hand, you don't have to worry about any of this. You don't have to flip hot rod. You don't have to. Um, you just have to attack and that and move on. So yep, yeah, and that matchup is definitely going to be all about closing the gaps, shrinking the amount of attacks that you have to invest into a given character, just like every other deck into bugs, as you said earlier. So I expect that we're going to see a lot of Optimus. I guess <laughs> we went from all blue Optimus, and now we're seeing a lot of orange Optimus, uh, and he brought along some friends with him. I can't imagine we're not going to be seeing this for the long term, at least until we get you know additional waves or that sort of thing. The deck feels like it does enough powerful and maybe unfair things. It's going to feel unfair when you're on the receiving end. I don't think, I think it's just like Dinobots, to be honest with you. It felt like the same, mm. when you're playing control decks against it, you're at a disadvantage just like you were against Dinobots. Their characters are just individually powerful mm-hmm. and sturdy, which, where is the difference between that and Insecticons. Like, and they're able to play that true aggro control role. Uh-huh. Um, which always has preyed on control decks. Yeah. So I feel that this induces a little more despair on the other end. The reason I say that is, yes, against Dinobots or other aggressive decks, okay, well, they, they have either one humongous guy like Grimlock that they're going to load up and Dino Chomp and, and Grenade Launcher and blah, 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 or they have multiple guys that are all threatening or both simultaneously, you know, depending on how it shapes up. But... Previously, at least you could play cards, <laughs> uh, and it maybe it amounts to the same thing at the end of the day, but it, it may be a psychological thing of, okay, they just completely demolished my hand. I'm left holding an improvised shield or left holding, you know, whatever garbage they allowed me to have because of mirages into combat commands, into uh, espionage, etc., I feel as though that you could put somebody on tilt much more readily than you would necessarily with, say, Dinobots or other builds. Yeah, that's fair. So keep in mind out there, everybody, just make sure you keep your morale up when you're playing against this deck, or otherwise, you're, if you go in the tank, it could be bad for you. <laughs> um, so any other thoughts on this before we move on to, uh, I guess, your pride and joy? No, I, just, I think it's a fun, powerful deck because I, because I think that we haven't had um, a lot. The closest that this comes to in terms of aggro control and during the Wave 1 metagame was Cars. And this is... This does it a totally similar. different way. I yeah, mean, yeah, I get what like you're saying, more, yeah. Yeah, it's more like a mid-range type deck, which is what I think that this will reward a player that knows the deck well, which is what I like. So Yeah. Not that it, any deck doesn't do that, but, you know. There's a lot of room here. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of decision points in the deck. I think where you're, where you're going with it, and correct me if I'm wrong, is just we also haven't really seen this sort of thing. I mean, yes, we had discard-based things for Shockwave, but it was combo-y as opposed to, okay, well, now you can really disrupt your opponent. Yeah, because you're getting access to, like, these seven-cost powerful characters. So Yep. 
Yeah, so you actually have the backbone to support that sort of disruption. Mm -hmm. So I guess with that, we can move on to the deck that both you and I played, although you did better, significantly better, and uh, I think there was a one-card difference. It took us like 20 minutes to figure this out, and then we finally determined, I think it was literally one card, and that's it. So uh, if it isn't up by the time this is up, definitely check out the VectorSigma.info YouTube page. Uh, because we're going to have recaps for some of this. Uh, I guess Dan will have to let us know if my terrible explanation of the deck is good enough to make the cut. But we'll it'll, it'll make the cut, but it will not be up in time. Oh, that. So check it out later. <laughs> Spoiler alert, yeah. everybody out there listening. Yeah. Um, it'll be this week. It'll be this week. Okay. So this week, as you're hearing this on the website, not this week as the recording for the. We we should probably just write down dates from now on. This yeah. <laughs> this is so confusing. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so. The deck we're talking about and dancing around is Aerial Bots, specifically a more blue-focused version. So, Scott, since I guess you're the leader on this one, since you did significantly better, you take the uh, take point on this. Tell us about this deck. Uh, so this, for um, to borrow terms from other games, like this is the most controlling deck I think that's existed in uh, Transformers since the beginning, because even though other decks have been blue-based... Um, they always relied on singularly powerful characters that started in the game to always attack for large amounts, even if they weren't backed up by um, orange cards or backed up by blue cards. Um, but their singularly powerful attack, like if it was Optimus or Nemesis, um, could have done significant damage. These characters don't have singularly powerful attacks, so um, it's, it's the closest to a thing to a true control deck that I've played in the game because you actually don't get your quote win condition until the game is in the late game stages. So it's a true, I have to survive the early game getting in damage where I can. And then I turn it to, I get my win condition out, which is superior on. And I win through that. Right. Although to be fair, you're making it sound like the deck does close to zero damage. I mean, yes, the actual characters don't, but as we said earlier, it's kind of the the uh, the trademark at this point of yours is that it's full of burn. Yeah, there's a lot of burn. <laughs> um, so the the key with the deck is being able to use the individual aerial bot parts to actually push as much damage as you can before you combine is obviously one of the hallmarks because you essentially want to set yourself to a situation where as best as possible, and this can be difficult because you're not orange based. You want to combine and kill two characters as as best as possible, but you definitely want to combine and kill. You want to have one character be left with three health so that you can, when you combine, the three damage actually kills them. But what's most important with the deck is identifying your opponent's biggest threat. And even if they do not attack with them first, you still want to do as much damage as possible. Sequence your attacks in a way to get as much damage as possible on that key character. Yep. Um, I, I guess I can give you an example. Like I was playing at the Cars matchup, which um, was the new the new common Bumblebee, uh, Wheeljack, and Prowl. And it, it was obvious to me that Wheeljack was the most powerful target. I mean, he always is. Of course. Um, but they usually don't attack with him until last. And if you're a Cars deck, that could be like, turn five like you know way way last <laughs> right right um but all i did was point every single point of direct damage that i could at him 
so that he had as much damage on him as possible so that like on turn six or something like that whenever i combined i was able to just combine um and at that point i think i was able to uh kill him and then like play an armed hovercraft and kill him or something like that but the point was i didn't waste any attacks or any direct damage out of my hand or any effects on anybody that was like unless I was forced to attack somebody because they were the only target I could attack, every okay. single every, everything went towards Wheeljack. Right, and I think that's if, if you identify that incorrectly, you're probably not going to win. Right, because you just don't have enough damage to kill enough important targets. If you leave their most important target alive, they'll win the race. So one thing that we had harped on with the Sentinel deck is that obviously given it had no enigmas, it doesn't combine, but even if it was running enigmas, it's not a common thing for that to happen just because of the way the deck plays out. And then are you even going to need it? That sort of thing. I guess the question for you with this is, and it sounds like your game plan is always to combine. Like that is the end stage. Was there any I point mean, at where some, you, at some point, yes. Was there any point where you said, no, you know what, this matchup is where I don't want to combine? Not in a matchup. I mean, I could have had enough onboard presence to where it didn't make sense if my opponent had... If I was up five characters and they had two left, it didn't always make sense for me to give up that many attacks to combine. Right. Um, but that would be the... But even then, I think the next turn, I'm like, ah, forget this. I do more damage. If I just combine, I'm just going to combine and kill you. Like, um, It was just to not give up some of the attacks and some of the abilities on the characters that existed because, you know, I wanted to attack with air raid one or I wanted to get in with Alba Bravo like one more time. Mm -hmm. Like there was no rush or like they weren't going to kill my firefight anyway. So what was the rush? Like they were going to have to attack him anyway. So what's the rush? Like that was, right. that was essentially the situation where I didn't combine right away is when firefight still had, I don't know, four or more health still on him. So it's like, and like all suited up and they had no way of dealing with him. Like, this board isn't going anywhere, so what's the rush? Yeah, you didn't feel threatened at any stage that it was, okay, I need to close the game out before X happens. Right, there's an outside chance that me by me only having one character and them having two, that I could somehow lose, like, in that situation, whereas, like, there's, even if I'm at, like, you know, 33 health remaining or whatever, like, in in this situation, though, like, I, you're setting it, within your fire, it's completely suited up and they can't do anything about it, like, Okay, and when they can do something, so what? So Firefly dies. Usually the first or second guy to die anyway, so what does it matter? So as soon as that happens, then you combine and just kill them. So like that's the only situation where like it was it, it was different. Gotcha. So was there anything you had alluded to it earlier that Sentinels and I struggled against it? It sounds like you had dropped a match to it. Do you feel let's do it in reverse. Instead of what does this deck beat, what beats this deck? Um, I mean, you're still a control deck, so you're gonna you're gonna have problems with the aggro control decks, which is what this, which what the Sentinel matchup was, especially if they're packing a decent amount of discard. Right. Um. So the way I lost is by him keeping me off Enigma with Mirage flipping back and forth. Obviously, because you're like a consummate control deck, um, you're you're going to an extreme late game, as I mentioned earlier. So basically, what happened was he was able to just flip Mirage early probably on one or two. I think it was actually on one. Um, you know, flip Mirage back, flip him again before I was even able, uh, was able to combine. So the only way you can really get out of that is either to have multiple Enigmas in your hand and them not have combat commands on their turn. 
right. or draw the enigma on defense, uh, which I tried to do by like putting my tough guys out there to try to, uh, you know, soak as many hits as possible to just, which is really just to flip more cards, try to get me to enigma. Right. Right. Um, it, it just didn't happen. Um, like, like the only other thing you can possibly do is like, you can try to espionage their espionages out of their hand or try to espionage like their combat commands out of their hand before they play them. But that's, they're always just going to play combat commands right away. Um, so that's that's basically the problem is if they can if they can mirage away all your enigmas, then like you're just in for a really, really long game at that point, and like it's to their advantage. So if you can flip enigma on defense when you're actually able to combine, I think you. I mean, it's winnable. That's how I won the first game. Uh, but if you don't do that and you're left with these enigmas sitting in your hand and you don't have more than one of them in your hand, you. Like it's gonna, it's gonna be really hard for you to win. It's also awkward. I don't know how much you ran into this, but marksmanship in general, I was very happy with. Except, funny story: Ironhide, Prowl, and Optimus virtually never flip. Right, but I wouldn't want to run like Plasmaverse over it. So, like, you're just oh, left right. with pitching it, pitching it to Green at that point. Exactly, what you could do there. So, yeah, it just becomes exactly that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, tutor sort of for green cards and that's basically it um, it's that you have less cards in your hand which is what you're saying like you have yeah. less cards in your deck that are powerful in, that are live so in this case yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's, that's that's a fair point I mean it was really good in all matchups so yeah it's just it, like you said it, it it's the confluence of multiple factors with that particular matchup where it, if the game play, and that's why I was asking you earlier is the end stage is I'm going to combine, and that's how I close the game out. Well, if you can, air quotes, never do that because of all the mirages, or because of all the espionages, well, you're going to have a tough time. Because it, it, you had mentioned it earlier, the two defense on Optimus, especially here, well, <laughs> they're, they're not getting through it most of the time. And then it feels real bad no. when they flip a matrix on defense. You're just like, well, I, I guess I lose. <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah, and against his deck specifically, like it was even worse because he has a token amount of blues, so like right. he would always he would flip them on defense, and it was annoying. So like, then I'm really not doing any damage. So that's uh, yeah, also a problem. So, but it like we were saying before with the sentinels into bugs, you're not always going to win everything. So it happens. Was there anything else that you were worried about going in specifically with aerial bots, or that after playing it, that you know if you're going to play it again, you're hoping to dodge certain matchups? Um, I mean, I thought the Dinobot style matchups would cause problems, and they did. Um, no, like there, I hadn't played enough other matchups to really know them, but I mean, I just relied on trying to understand the board state, like at at all times. I think it was more just about me getting used to the sequencing and and attacking in the right order uh, right. first, and making like you know making sure that. I played upgrades on the right characters and making sure that I could actually get use out of um, my strategies more than it was. Cause I never, I, I only played the deck like the night, couple nights before. So, um, and only played against whatever matches we had played against. So um, it was just to get more experience with it and, and see how the games played out more than it was like being worried about anything specifically going into it. Um, gotcha. But you know, it just depends on how people will adapt, I guess. So speaking of matchups that we had played prior to the event and even ones that you had gone there, so what's the other end of the spectrum? What are you hoping to see? Or is it kind of the same boat of just play out the best thing at that time? 
Um, I mean, I think you're favored in a lot of other matchups. So I think you're favored against the Cypicons. I think you're favored against uh, standard versions of, of like Prime, especially uh, two-character versions. Um, I think you're favored against... What else is there? Um, like, Cars, I felt like I was favored in that matchup, even though I thought it was going to be more difficult than it was, because my opponent drew, like, three on-tap effects, and I still won the game pretty easily, so did you I was run surprised a, by that. Did you play against any other combiner mirrors, whether it was aerial bots or other ones? Just other aerial... I just played against other aerial bots. No other traditional, like, want to combine combiners. Gotcha. Do you feel that... I mean, it... Not specifically that aerial bot list that you played against, but in general, do you think this is the appropriate way to, to go with it? Do you foresee any chance that there is an orange aerial bots, that sort of thing? I'm assuming I, I not, because, like... I don't think you're playing to the card's strengths if you go that route. Right. Um, I think you have to, you'd have to be very all-in on more, like, more direct damage in order to make sure that, again, when you combine it, you're definitely killing, like, two characters at that point. Right. Um, when you combine... I think you're giving up, like, a lot of the, like, Fireflight might as well be blank at that point. Yep. Um, same with uh, Skydive, might as well be blank at that point. So, like, I don't, and then I think the opposite is not true. Like, in when you're playing blue, none of your characters are dead. Um, because you can always just put a weapon on Air Raid to make his, make his effect actually happen. Yeah. So, or you can use one, or you can it's use AR. Yeah. Um, or you can... Um, put a noble's blaster on him if they're playing you know decepticon deck and something like for anybody that. not familiar so, he's the ramming speed guy <laughs> yeah which is which is extremely powerful all day like even just putting a, an arm on him and getting him to five attack i was able to like you know get in there for one but it's yeah, a ramming it's, speed That's all yeah all you gotta about, do is squeak so. in and then it kind of opens the floodgates depending on what you pop whether it's an opposing armor or it's you know an important utility or something along those lines yeah so um I think playing as orange is not playing to the, the character strength because I think you basically two characters just become blank at that point, and I think right. that's not that's not the way you want to go. And so, I think if you are mm-hmm. playing, if you're playing blue, you have the most powerful brave piece that I I would argue in the game as it stands in Born right now. Yeah, I don't think um, there's really a contest. Like he he is the best. Well, he's the best brave character, and I mean I'm not really counting the the actual brave card yeah so i mean i think he's better than headstrong i think he's better than um like even i mean you're not gonna play blitzwing in this situation so so um i think he's extremely powerful like in that situation so um he's really really difficult to kill yeah headstrong needed one more health and then i'd feel better about him uh but the fact that he can just randomly die to one shell stand by taking, we'll call it standard amounts of damage, uh, it just makes it super awkward. Whereas yeah, on the aerial bot, yeah, he's just it's your opponent's going to be challenged in order to try and actually get there in one shot or even with the burn. So let me ask you this: the we went over, you know, what what we feel it is hunting this deck, what this deck kind of hunts. Uh, before we get into what we would change, let's talk a little bit about sequencing because you were talking about air raid for a bit there. Uh, obviously, if you're going second, your opponent has to get it in on the brave guy. I was generally leading out with the tough guy. I assuming you're going the same route. 
Correct. Uh, where do you take it from there? Um, it depends on what my hand is. Uh, so your flip sequencing is also important. So as long as your opponent isn't playing planes, it's usually smart to flip off of Bravo first. <laughs> yeah, if they're um, playing planes, it, it kind of throws things out, out the window. If you're playing planes, you want to not flip as long as possible. Um, <laughs> so then you can flip air raid usually first um mm. if they are if they are playing planes like in the mirror or something right. like that um i've also flipped silver bolt early just because like i know where the one damage is going to go so like it, it's not it, it doesn't bother me to flip him early right um because the chances of me connecting with the bold into the flip are extremely low yeah um, that's for but, sure. it, but it might be an av- it might be to try to try especially in certain matchups to try to get certain green cards more powerful because it does flip you one more card so might be something I need to try a little bit more often, and I think something I think that makes him singularly powerful in other decks as well. Right. Um, but he doesn't have like you don't you're not in a rush to flip him anyway if you can avoid it. So uh, you have two easy flip targets again as long as they don't have um, planes. So right. yeah, typically you're you're it depends on ha- what what you have in your hand defensively. So if you have on your second turn, so when you can finally play two cards. Um, if you have an espionage and armor, you can put the armor on the brave guy and you can espionage them first, obviously, um, try to get out any, um, bashing shields, destruction. <laughs> Bas- usually bashing shields yeah. if they have, um, if you've seen them get it or, um, like a vaporizer or a speed and then you can suit him up right. and then put him out there second. And then basically like you're free rating the rest of the turn, like the first, rest of the whole round. Cause he becomes extremely difficult to, uh, to take out um it's it, it if you have an inferno breath that also happens on two regardless you you use inferno breath with him and put the armor on him i don't even care if they have a way to deal with it that's still nine times out of ten the correct play assuming you're hitting the right target right um because you don't even most of the time you don't even care if he dies and he might not die anyway because he's still seven health to defense with your mostly blue deck and a yep. lot of whites. So um, it's not that big of a deal. Uh, but if you can set it up to where you know they don't have a way to deal with it, that becomes you know they have to get it off the off the top draw. That becomes really difficult for them to deal with. Um, so if you have a way, and that includes security console, console as well, uh, which is even more powerful if they have bashing shield. So of course. Um, so if you have security console, that's another good thing. Because uh, you, you always get the card advantage back, um, and you can usually set him up defensively as well. So usually he's the second if you have a way to protect him. If you don't have a way to protect him, I usually just one up swing with Silverbolt second to set up Fireflight to protect me on their on the first zero turn. Because normally my opponent would have that zero turn because I have five characters and they have less than five characters. Right. So I would just hold him in reserve not flip him until he, he never usually flips until he's dead anyway, but right. um, he would become the target on the, on the next zero turn, as opposed to being a target early. If you have no way to protect him. So then you would do things like get in there with random silver bolts and, and, and random guys here and there. You generally want to attack with um, air raid and alpha Bravo last um, in whatever order it matters. If they have a three character list, it really doesn't matter anyway. Um, you're not really susceptible to being attacked back, so normally you want to attack with Alpha Bravo and then Air Raid, because you don't really want to get Air Raid killed. Right. Um, but if you have guys going, multiple guys going in a turn because they went first and you have three attackers left, you you would 
want to get in with air raid first, usually to get rid of their upgrade so your rest of your guys can swing in um, unabated, usually is how it works. Because you don't want to give it, like, even if you, say they have armor and you know you can't get through it, you don't really want to give, you don't want to swing all your guys into, like, a tough armor because you don't want to give them access to more green cards as possible. So you want to try to, like, if, if your air raid doesn't take out their tough armor, you just switch, like, Switch targets. You usually have to switch targets with the third guy, but Alpha Bravo usually has to get in there because, again, that's usually the high value target. You have no choice, and he'll usually do his Pierce three because you can put Field Communicator on him, or like a Noble's Blaster on him or something. So, right, he'll do his token damage. So, and you can you know have bigger they are and things like that as well. Yeah, the deck it it is surprising how much it will be able to poke people prior to combination uh i mean obviously it's designed to do that there's as we discussed a lot of burn uh there's a lot of pierce and a surprising amount of pierce because the bigger they are is basically always live i mean clearly you want to jam it on air raid when possible so that you can get that advantage but in a pinch it'll allow you to push a little bit of extra damage and it adds up very quickly so one of the things that you'll see in the the video and uh, Scott was alluding to earlier with appropriate target selection. Um, I know I was messing it up and it's very, I don't want to say easy to mess up because I'm just not very good. And I was just screwing it up, <laughs> but you can, if you misidentify the targets, Scott started out with this, that you have to make sure that you're landing the appropriate damage on the appropriate targets, or you're just not going to get there because even though Great, I turned into Superion. All my guys are there. Your bold is irrelevant. Uh, you're like, okay, there's what, two orange cards in this? So it's really yeah. six damage, which is nothing really to write home about when you only have one character. And that means that it's, okay, well, I'm pushing three damage. You could very easily lose the race, just like you were saying earlier, Scott. If combining and now making one giant block of hit points... Your opponent now just gets to tee off. And regardless of what deck they're playing, that could end up really bad for you. Um, was there anything else that stood out to you before we get into like potential changes for this that you wanted to call out either as a play style or certain matchups or anything like that? I mean, it's the consummate control deck. You have to know you have to know as early as possible when you're when you're actually sitting down to play like how how the game is going to play out in your favor. So um, you want to make you want to make your opponent waste as many attacks as possible. You want to make your opponent waste as many cards as possible. Um, you don't really win through. I, I wouldn't say like a traditional other game control decks. Like you don't win through card advantage. You win through basically like forcing your opponent into terrible situations, like attacking skydive or attacking uh, fireflight with armor or security console. Well, that's a, so. that's a, uh, a concept that I'm sure you have an article brewing for that in this game, as opposed to card advantage, it's really action advantage. So you're, you're depleting your opponent of one of their game actions, their attack step when you force them into those things. I mean, Correct. nobody's going to, anybody who plays this game or even looks at it from the outside, is going to go, oh, well, that person wasted an attack. Clearly the other person is at an advantage, but those incremental advantages of how many times you have to waste those attacks, how many times you have to burn extra cards in hand just to get through, you know, a five-star aerial bot add up over the course of a game. Right. It's also extremely important that you force your opponent to waste as many cards 
and you use your cards as best as possible. You don't have full playsets of, of of everything. Like, you know, you need to use your vaporize on appropriate targets. You need to. I mean, there are certain cards you can jam in whenever you get them. Like, you pretty much want to jam every single armed hovercraft you get. You don't need to save it. Take out a guy like that. Right, right. That point of damage will get in there regardless. Um, you know, uh, I mean, usually, like most um, blue decks, you want to play your defensive cards your, and your armors, like your security councils and things like that, over your um, over your weapons, unless it's appropriate. Um, I mean, Field Communicator is huge in this deck, especially when you're going second. It can pretty much turn the, quote, disadvantage of going second into, like, a huge advantage, especially if you get yeah. a playable card off the top. Um, and by that, I mean anything that's basically not a handheld blaster or an enigma, I would consider to be, and I mean, I guess unless there's no marksmanship target, um, I would ex- I would consider any other card to be extremely live. Right. So, um, that can really, like, that's, that was, whenever possible, that was my first play of, of the match, whenever possible. On Alpha Bravo to get him to three attack. Um, I mean, target selection is just the most important thing. Like, and you mm-hmm. have to understand what, what your resources are. You also have to understand when to when to get green cards back, um, which is pretty much like whenever they're there, um, except for press the advantage, which you may just may not need in certain situations. Yeah, um, makes sense. Any I mean, other thing? You have, oh, the other thing you got to realize is you're going to run low on cards. Yes. That was actually one of the questions in the chat as we get into potential changes. Yeah, you're going to run low on cards. Um, and I, I really believe that minor deck is going to run low on cards because you may be in a situation where you, you don't want to play your upgrade and action in the same turn because you have five characters. And you want to make sure, like, you obviously don't want your upgrades to sit out there unused as, as long as possible. And you don't want your actions to be, like, Unused, I guess you could say, or like not ideal. Yeah, they're not getting as um, much value as they they could. Right. So you might have to hold off not playing cards for certain turns in order to use them on other characters. Gotcha. Um, but things like you know, understanding the like when to use Inferno Breath and stuff like that can be difficult as well. So, quick question for you before we do move into specific changes or, or modifications any wild field communicator plays that happened on the day wild i didn't have like field communicator into a second field communicator okay at all oh uh, that's have, disappointing I, I didn't play leap of faith so i didn't have like field communicator into leap of faith um, <laughs> right i mean i had like field communicator into no blaster which is really good i had field communicator into um i had like field communicator into a I had Field Communicator into Live Inferno Breath. I had Field Communicator into that's pretty that, Security Console, which is really good. Yeah, those are the ones I was thinking of. You know, like play Field Communicator, if not Field Communicator into Field Communicator, then play it into Marksmanship or Inferno Breath, and then play the other <laughs> burn spell from hand to you know just just slaughter something and then move on to the next target. No, it was pretty much just. As long as it wasn't into handheld blaster or enigma, it's usually just good solid play. So right, mm-hmm. all right. So no, no wild, uh, exciting stories on that end. But that's all right. There, there are plenty of decks to accomplish that, and it, it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the one card that was different between your list and mine is you were running backup plan. Uh, we had talked before the event that 
and you even just highlighted just now that the deck does have a tendency to run out of cards. So I think backup plan feels as though it's an obvious inclusion. I'm sure there's a lot of people that are going to jump to pep talk or, or other options. Do you feel afterwards that that's still necessary, that card draw slot? Do you think that it's just going to become an extra copy of something else? Or where do you see that one going? Uh, to work overtime. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> well, that was the uh, question is, do you think you still yeah. need the card draw? And it's just, it's that simple. Yeah, I think you need it. Um, you just run out of card because you have five characters. And it's, and, and it's, it, it's the issue of you draw one card a turn, but you can play two cards a turn. Right. Um, and you want to make those card, those plays as impactful as possible. Um, and like, I'm not a fan of pure card draw that much, especially when it's like a, a two card draw. Um, it just becomes necessary in this deck, uh, because you have five characters and they're not individually powerful and you want to be, you want, if you want to be able to do anything with them, they need help. Yeah. And the other thing is like, you don't want to be out of cards at any phase of the game, because if you do flip a green that you need, you want to be the, the ability to get it back. Absolutely. So I hated being in situations where I only, where I had no cards in hand because I played some upgrade or, or action that like seemed good at the time, but I would rather next turn. It had been this other thing. Makes sense. So you have to be aware of that as well, that you may, may have to take action action phases off in order to allow yourself access to, to more green cards, especially if can't be on um, the gas all the, all the time. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you're defending with like a tough guy or something like that, because you're going to be able to flip over more cards. So do you see that you're right now? It's that single slot. Are you anticipating that you're going to play multiple work over times? Or do you think it's one is all you can squeeze in at this stage? The deck already has a lot of white in it um, with three security consoles and three field communicators, like, which I don't think are negotiable slots. Right. Um, and then two espionages that I also don't feel are negotiable. So having nine whites made for some really awkward defending at times. I've had a number of those, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> With well, one blue and five whites. <laughs> yeah, it was really awkward. So um, I don't think you can afford to play two. So like, I don't think you can afford to play more than one just because you don't want to play um, nine whites. So, I mean, you only want to play a max of nine weight, so I just don't think it, it works itself out that way, where um, mm. you can play two. Um, I'd like to, but um, it's just, you have just have too many weights in the deck as it is. Yeah, it would have Which to take good. a slot of one of the That's other ones. But right. it's not ideal, so. Well, are there any other slots? I mean, I guess the, if I'm hearing you correctly, and I kind of agree that... It, if you're going to be swapping out non-blue, or swapping in, rather, non-blue cards, whether it's work overtime or other options, it has to come at the expense of those white or green cards. Well, I guess sparring gear is orange-green, but uh, one of those slots, because you... I've had a whole bunch of, both testing and at the event, a whole bunch of games and rounds where, yeah, I'll be on defense and I'll flip over a whole like four straight white cards or it'll be white pip white pip green white pip and it's like okay i really could have used a blue at any stage here uh and most of the deck is blue i i'm not sure what else i would personally change in the list out in those directions but i agree with you that it has to be or i think it has to be what one of those slots if you're going to squeeze in more work overtimes or other things yeah, I don't. I just don't think you can afford to play more than one. But yeah, right. 
I guess that's what it's going to end up being at the end of the day. Now, the as far as the other slots, the actual blue slots, anything that really didn't put in enough work for you? Yeah, Energon Axe is not... You can't run more than one. See, I didn't have all that many issues equipping it. Like, Did you equip it before you attacked or after you attacked? Well, I mean, obviously it has to be after unless you're combined. And is that ideal? Well, <laughs> I mean, these are <laughs> self-explanatory <laughs> questions. It's not ideal, but the I think one of the issues, and I found this with other builds, is that... <sighs> there just aren't that many blue weapons that I want to play. Like, I don't know if I want a third Noble's Blaster, but I feel as though you do want a weapon. Like, just yeah. have the quantity of weapons. And how many characters do you ideally have on the field? In the end? Well, more than them, I hope. <laughs> now, how, how many characters do you have left in the You're breaking up. How, how many, many characters, characters do I have left what? In the end game. Well, if you get to your ideal endgame, it's only the one guy, so... but the, So how many weapons do you need? <laughs> well, I get where you're going with it, but you do... Having those weapons earlier helps you get to that endgame, or at least assists the endgame, like we were talking not, about earlier. Not, not Energon Axe, because you can't use it. It doesn't... You don't use it before you combine, ideally. But they... So, like, I, I don't, it's, it's a weird... You're playing it as a weird contingency plan that never happens ideally like it doesn't make any sense like yes and no i mean i get what you're saying it, it's awkward to play and it's difficult to get it to land and yes if if ever if wishes were fishes we would have energon axes every time that superion combined but there were i don't want to say a lot of scenarios but there were plenty of scenarios where you know my brave guy suddenly is relevant or suddenly or four attack appears to is relevant i mean i don't know you well, Alpha Bravo only has Pierce 2, and he's still... Built getting... in. Built in, though. He's well, Pierce 3. I'm not saying it's as good, but it lets you get value out of those other things. So, yes, I... I mean, not to be broken... Like, I get what you're saying, and I understand where it's going to pose challenges. I get... Like I said, do I want a third Nobles Blaster? I I guess... No, I, I don't think it should be a weapon at all. You have two Noble Blasters that you can get out of like the extended hand that the, the green aspect gives you. So you're going to have a weapon regardless. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're going to have, like, you can get a hovercraft in all likelihood. So I don't know what the slot should be yet, but I can tell you that the card was not ideal. Like, so, oh, yeah, I we, mean, that's kind of to be expected going in. Yeah. You're uh. only, the card's only live automatically less than 50% of the time. If you go second, they attack Fireflight, you somehow either, you and you survive having, that's less than 50% of the time. Because if you're playing against another blue deck, chances are you're absorbing all the damage. If you're playing against a super aggro deck, there is an outside chance you could just die. Right. So, so your chances are less than 50%. And then you're putting an Energon Axe on Fireflight, like, that's not a good situation like that's not what you want is your i don't know how many turns into it like that's not that that's not even the that's like the third upgrade i would want to put on him so i mean it, it's just a weird contingency situation that to me just doesn't work out well it's so. the way i was having it play out was basically 
you know, that wheel turn, it'll get in not necessarily enough to kill him or if, you know, he took damage earlier against, like you said, a, it, it's only really relevant in for the pierce in my eyes, to be honest with you. Um, and then it also is better on Superion later on. But it allowed you to have another pierce attacker against defensive strategies. In at a point in the game when you should be combined anyway. You should be combining soon, yes. But again, like you said earlier, it's not necessarily the appropriate time to combine. So I again I get what you're saying that it becomes more of a you lose a lot of value in Energon Act compared to you would in other decks, but I don't know if it's necessarily so much that it isn't worth running two. I could see changing it. I just like you said, I don't know what that becomes at this stage. Uh, probably something that just has more universal value, in my opinion. Like some blue card that has more universal value. I mean, it the, could be like mm. like any anything really. To be honest with you, the like you said, sometimes taking turns off or setting up those other turns, and maybe that was playing into it. That it's okay. Well, I'm I'm going to be banking these cards anyway for reasons, whatever it happens to be. So now on the wheel turn, I can set up other thing. Because they they all, all the aerial bots, survived a surprising amount of damage, I didn't usually have an issue dropping it on one of them on the wheel turn. I, I guess. It I mean, doesn't do, it doesn't do enough, in my I mean, I mean they, it's going to come down to what it replaces, or is replaced with, rather. Um, it, it's hard for me to disagree with you because I, on one hand, yes, I agree with everything that you're saying. It's just, I don't know what the alternative is. So it's kind of like the devil I know versus the one I don't. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to use a more, a card that's more playable like at, at every stage of the game. Like it could be, uh, it could be like a disruptive entrance. It could be like a, you know. A drill arms. It could be like a. I'm looking at white cards as we as we as we speak. <laughs> okay. Uh, it could be like a heavy hand. It could be a leap. It could be a. Uh, a pep talk. It could be a nobles blaster. It could be mm-hmm. a. Uh, what else is here? Um, it can't be a smelt because that card did not test well. <laughs> um, yeah, smelt has been a uh, disappointment, unfortunately. It, it could be a third vaporized to be honest with you. Like, it could be any one of those mm. things. I mean, um, I don't... Unfortunately, just, it can't be a white or a, an orange card. So, like, you're yeah. limited as to what it actually can be, and it can't be a blank card. Right. Um, but it, it just wasn't good enough, to be honest with you. Like, you just... Mm. You, there was just... The thing in this game, I think, that what, what Green does to a lot of it is it makes your decisions every single turn that you're playing an upgrade um, or an action, but mostly upgrades um, more challenging because... Why would you have greened back a Noble's Blaster or a Scavenger's Blaster or something like that if you weren't going to play it? So if you're going to get it back, you should play it. Right. Um, so you, it allows you to play less upgrade in your deck um, that are effectively doing the same thing. So, um, you know, you have that option. I think, I think you're, just, you're just hurting yourself by keeping that card in your hand uh, more often by, by playing cards that are not, you know, Always. Alive. I'm not saying you have to play. I'm not saying you have to play every single card every single turn, but like you have, you want to have the ability 
if that's right. possible. So I hear yeah. you. No, I hear you. Um, as I said, I don't. I'm not. <laughs> I don't feel strongly enough about it to to say no. You're you're playing a full play set of Energon hacks. You have to do no. It, I get the argument, and I I think it's reasonable. I don't know. I, don't I think know. people I, aren't gonna understand. I think people aren't gonna understand this. We're arguing about turning a 39th card into a 40th card, right? Going from a two of to a one of, and having like a 15 minute conversation about it. Like <laughs> this is this, this is what happens, in my opinion, when you're tuning decks that are, that have already you've already been proven to be successful with. Like these are the kind right. of conversations I think that add percentage points to your to your matchups. Turning the th- whatever you're gonna turn the 40th card into, and you're gonna cut. A card from a, a two of down to a one of. Like, right. I think people just need to understand that. Like, I know most people are going to be like, "This doesn't really matter," but like, it does. Like a certain percentage of the time. So, well, I mean, by definition, every card is going to have some percentage change over the course of however many games, and especially if. And you've mentioned this on a number of shows that it's a because it's a character based game. It's obviously heavy IP. If somebody out there is a fan of the aerial bots and they're going to play the hell out of the aerial bots, like those small percentage points, or even if you just play aerial bots a lot, whether you like them or not, you're going to see those things come up over the course of a lot of games if you're playing enough games. Yeah, and you got to keep track of what when they're when they helped you, when they hurt you. Most yep. people don't do that. So, so. Other than our debate about Energon Axe and then backup plan, <laughs> uh, anything else that, that didn't perform that you're looking to uh, swap out for something? I mean, I guess the only the only other debatable card, I guess, is probably like the press the advantage. But I mean, mm-hmm. having two oranges in the deck was not irrelevant at times, and then getting the plus two was also not irrelevant. I mean, the the point basically was like. You, know, you wanted your espionages early and weren't as powerful late, unless you were playing against another control deck. So right. you could always just pitch them to get like it just gave you the ability to pitch bad card like not not even just bad cards, just like worse cards, I guess you could say, in your hand for better ones. Right. Um plus two attack wasn't mattering a whole lot on any of these characters, but like it definitely was a, like, you know, similar to putting in you know, putting in the armored hovercraft on on um on air raid like getting him to an initial six basically gave you that ramming speed that you needed um and so on and so forth so i mean that's the other like air raid is the other reason why like you can get away with only running two vaporizes because you have a vaporize on board most of the time so um that's another really significant thing i mean you're you're technically running five vaporizes you know the the vaporizes themselves and then bigger they are to guarantee that he gets in sure uh at any point were you concerned about the armor i mean obviously you need the blue slots the armor makes sense but was bashing shield enough of an issue that it even made you second guess it or it's just these are the cards you have to run Um, I ran ran espionage to get rid of their bashing shields if I knew they had it. Mm-hmm. If they were going to flip it on defense and then get it after, like if I had espionage the away, let's just say one of them, and they got a second one, there's nothing I can do about that. Um, right. If they didn't have it and then drew into one, can do about that. Um, I don't think it's that big of a deal because I think 
for the aggro deck, like, yes, it's usually the correct play for them to play the Bashing Shield, but like it's not really advancing their board at all. It's just hurting your board. And that's not always ideal. Like, okay, now the guy, like, the guy has plus one armor. It's just, it, most of the time, it's just a ramming speed. Right. Because my guys don't do any damage anyway, except for Pierce anyway, most of the time. Like in the but now, they have, game, like, now they have two armor, so they, right. they can lock out even more of your guys. No, it, right. I guess Chop Shop now definitely takes zero <laughs> against the Yeah, I, I mean, the guys get more, but, but to be honest with you, it wasn't, it wasn't that much different. It was just a different way of playing a ramming speed, essentially. Like, it was just a ramming speed out of an upgrade instead of a ramming speed out of a, out of the hand. And if they had, if I had security council, I didn't console, I didn't care at all. Right. So, I mean, I, I think I still, you know, playing reinforced plating, I think is still correct. Um, because if they don't have a way of dealing, it's obviously makes your guys way better. Right. Um, cause you can play the traditional sit on the armor type thing. But even if, even if they do play it, it's again, it's different in this deck than it is in other blue based decks because your individual aerial bots don't do a lot of damage. So losing the or and you don't even, honestly you don't care if some of them die because that your end game is not these five characters, it's the superior on it'll just have more damage on it. So like if they take an action to play bashing shield to take out your armor on I guess Fireflight, like like if they do it on Skydive, like who cares? He still has tough too. Right. Like who else are you putting it on? You're not just putting it on random Joe Schmo tapped aerial bot. You're putting it on the guys that are good, it's good on, which are Fireflight and um and Skydive to begin with. Um, you're not really putting it, and you're putting it on Superior on later. Like you're not really putting it on anyone else, ideally ever. So like if it does stick on those guys, they're insane. And if it doesn't you're like okay these guys are still decent like okay maybe my fire flight only protects once or twice like t- probably twice now during the during the game instead of like five times obviously it's not ideal um especially not ideal if you have the you know the ultimate security console and that on him right but you know it's okay i, I really feel like bashing shield wall is necessary against this deck it's not ideal because you okay it, it's not that it, who cares so like you know you can kill my little guy like you now you can overkill my okay great that's what makes the deck so effective is is the overkill perspective of it right makes sense uh any other thoughts on aerial bots as you happen to run it or what you think you're gonna run of like are you planning on playing this again or do you think it was okay i had fun with this now i'm gonna try other ideas no i mean i would play this again it's 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 my style of deck, so I would definitely play this again. Because um, I think there's, I think playing a, a difficult to play deck like this is always going to um, improve over time. And I'm sure I made mistakes. Um, and I think, I think forcing me mentally to play in that way of like always identifying the right target, always playing the right cards, just makes me improve my game at all times. And I think the, because the deck doesn't give you a lot of wiggle room, even though most people might think. It sounds like it does because I may I may be making it sound easier than it is, or it's been having more success than people are used to. Um, it's just because they're avoiding difficult matchups as it is, or their area is not like playing a lot of hyper aggressive decks and things like that. Um, but I don't think it's an easy deck to play effectively. I don't think it's an easy deck to make all the right decisions with. So I would definitely play it again because I think it. I think 
decks like this just make me personally like a better player, even though I could probably make myself a better player by branching out and playing other types of decks. <laughs> but I, I think it. I guess there is an argument for that too. So I liked it. So it was fun. Combining it, was fun. I was about to say, was it fun to combine? It was fun to combine. Yes. Yeah. I have to give them credit. Uh, in testing a bunch of credit to wizards in testing a bunch of games when you actually do combine uh and now you were doing the same thing i i was scott where you had duplicate copies of okay you had them in little top loaders and then you had the uh the full size ones off to the side but even then it felt cool to slam them on the board and form up into superion or you know when we're testing other stuff other combiners yeah i i, I think you, your field is so busy with five characters that um, I think playing any other way is just really, really difficult. So Yeah, that that's one thing, and this isn't really like at all strategy-related, but playing with... Uh, I had tried having them folded out and then putting a card over it, so basically doing the slider thing, and I don't know, it just feels like there's way too much going on and too much to track, and it's way too easy for, like, okay, well, is that upgrade on this guy or that guy? And it just feels weird. I like this methodology much better, which, thankfully, Volcanicus doesn't seem like he's really going to be a thing, so people don't have to worry about trying to get duplicate sets of that guy. I mean, I forgot to flip a couple times as it is over the course of the tournament. So, like... Yeah, I did as because well. Because you're, you're not flipping... The guy you're attacking with, unless you're like attacking with Silver Bolt or attacking with for for some reason Air Raid flipped or Bravo Bravo hasn't been flipped yet. Like mm -hmm. so, like that action of I'm gonna flip the guy and attack with him in the same turn. Like you're taking your hand off and on different characters. Like I just forgot. Like yeah, I know at least one time I didn't cost me a game or anything, but I know it, mm -hmm. it like obviously backed up when I was gonna combine. Um, so right. it definitely can cost you a game. Uh, so like I'm already forgetting certain things to do as it is because i have so many characters all like i don't even know where to put the guys when they die like what i was doing is moving the four like as soon as one guy died i pushed all four guys to the front of my play mat and then one guy all the way to the back like i don't even know if that's right like i mean it was pretty obvious what was going on i put the damage counters on him so it was right. obvious he was dead but like there's a lot going on when you're playing these like five character decks especially because they're eventually not going to be like five characters like if it was just five characters in play it wouldn't be that big of a deal you just like oh this guy's out of play i don't care but because you have to actually track what's going on with their their mode and all this other stuff. Like yep. it's a lot more going on, so you yeah, be aware of it. That's absolutely true. And it, like I said, I also definitely recall specific games where I had a you know brave guy dies, set him off to the side. I take my turn. I attack and go. Oh, I just realized I never flipped that guy. And it's right. okay. Well, that right. it's a turn. And for exactly the reasons you were saying earlier, where you have to squeeze out every last bit of damage or every last ounce of advantage over the course of the game, missing one of those turns could just straight up end the game for you. Yeah, and in play testing, we're like, oops, I combined. I forgot the flip. I get the flip now. Like, You can't do that in the tournament. So. <laughs> exactly. So you have to be very meticulous with this and maybe take a breath, although maybe not as long as I did because I ended up drawing twice. So <laughs> Yeah, you, you, you took too many breaths. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> I, mean, I, I gotta hold my breath the entire round, all, all 50 minutes, and then just get on it. <laughs> we'll get it done. I mean, you, you you drew with a bad match. I guess that's a positive, but um, right. you also drew with a bad, an easy matchup, in my opinion. So Right. Um, 
But I was also learning the deck. I mean, we had tested it yeah. a bit, but it's uh, it's definitely an experience. I For me, I don't know if I'm going to play it again. I do like it, but it's more my just jumping from idea to idea. And plus, by the time this goes live and for our next event, Devastator will be out and about. So maybe the, the big green monster. Uh, this guy over here, since Scott loves to laugh at all the toys that I have. Um, you can watch this later and see Devastator on screen. Nice. So, um, although with my green screen, because he's green, it uh, doesn't quite work out so well. I'll have to figure that just out little, later. Just a little bit of purple here and there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but anyway, so aerial bots or anything else in general, since we were mostly focusing on these two decks, but anything else that stood out to you or anything you're excited to try again or, or try for the first time? I mean, once I tune any deck, I'm excited to try it. Uh, I just have to get some playtesting in with other versions. Um, the rest of the top four, so it was Sentinels, Aerial Bots, um, the Double Grimlock deck, which will be a deck tech on this week as well. Um, there was uh, an Insecticons that Mark yep. ran. The rest of the top eight, I think, was Cars. I played the Aerial Bot Mirror Match in the top eight. Um, another Sentinels. Yep. And I and a regular Dinobot, I think, was the last one. Yeah. So um, that rounded right. off the top eight. So of, the, of those decks, I mean, I'd like to try my hands at my own version. It's like, you know, six or seven card difference of the of the Sentinel deck. Uh-huh. Um, and then I have other ideas that, uh, like, my own version of cars and, like, um, some other decks that I'm working on. But, uh, yeah, for now, like, bringing Optimus back, things like that. Right. Yeah, it's funny how he, I mean, I get it, all the new toys and all the uh, exciting new things to try, but <laughs> the old faithful in Optimus Prime Battlefield Legend, he's, he's still pretty good. <laughs> he probably still has some juice left in the tank. Yeah, I'm, Dan will have an article coming out uh, this week as well um, that talks about that, so I don't want to steal a lot of that thunder. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. But I, but I mean, the main point he basically makes is like, if you're, and I will say this is something that you can kind of avoid with the aerial bot deck because there isn't a lot of there just isn't a lot of options. Um, but like when you're playing a control deck, you need to know what the metagame looks like. And if you don't know what the metagame looks like, you could be showing up with yeah, you're gonna have a bad two, day. Two different of a two different of a deck. So I think that's what's hurting it right now. Or just people just want to play different things. But um, we kind of talked about it last week, like changes we would make to it. So oh yeah, um, you can go back to listen to that. But I, I think I would make even more. Um, changes in that, having seen uh, some things in action. So, well, that's the way it is. You know, you got to actually get out there. It's good to uh, to theorize ahead of time and plan it out. But there's something to be said for just actually playing a bunch of games, especially at an event. Yep. So, uh, unless you have anything else, Scott, I think that kind of wraps it up for this week's episode. Any more exciting questions coming from the chat? Uh, well, we got a bunch of people. So, Stefan's telling us about who he was playing because uh, he was the other Sentinel deck and he had said he played against the uh, Dinobot wheel jock, wheel jock, wheel jack build. <laughs> um, yeah. The, let's see. Oh, he, he was also the one asking about uh card draw in the aerial bot list as well. And then of course, wreck and rule is telling us we got to be playing piercing blaster. So Superion has pierce six. I mean, we know that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. It, is that something, I think, so, Wreck and Roll, if you're still out there, 
we should you should do a grudge match with with Scott on camera, and if you win, the next event he has to play piercing blasters. I feel like that would be a funny bet. Sure. <laughs> um, because I think that's probably the only way we're going to get you to include that card in in any build. Likely. <laughs> anyway, it's like a mirage deck. Well, yeah, I guess if you if you literally need more white pips. Although at this stage, I I feel like you might have enough that you don't even have to reach that far. I mean, the key you don't you're a control deck. You have time to win. You don't need to speed up your win condition. So right, I I have a feeling, and I don't see them. In, oh no, they're still in chat. So maybe he stepped away. Uh, I have a feeling they're just busting chops. <laughs> no, I mean I know they. I know, I know they're replying it. Um, oh, okay, okay. I, I just think it's. I think it's. You have time to win. You don't need to speed up your win condition because normally your opponent doesn't have enough characters that are relevant attacking your tough two monstrosity. Mm-hmm. That your six attack pierce three isn't with a weapon isn't just going to, which is normally like. Eight attack, pierce three, pierce five against the Septicons isn't just going to get there on its own. Gotcha. I don't think you need, I don't think, like, I even played in the mirror match. My opponent had a thermal weaponry in play. Uh-huh. I two, I two owed in the top eight. So you tell me how that went. Yeah. So it didn't, it didn't matter in the least. Like, I mean, it mattered. Like, I had less turns to win because he could have killed me. But in the end, like, it didn't matter all that much. It didn't, so. it didn't provide enough of it of an advantage. No, the cards I played instead, doing damage to him prior to combining, like Inferno Breath and and Arm Hovercraft and things like that, were more impactful in the late game because they were played early. Because we knew we were both going to combine because we were both, you know, slow. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're matches, just so. slapping each other, not like actually attacking right. each other. <laughs> right. But like my espionage is him not having it is what allowed me to win the match because... I was able to combine faster because I just kept preventing him from combining. Right, right. So, um, if you can find room for field communicator, security console, espionage, and three piercing blasters, be, be my guest. As we said before, that that's a <laughs> lot of not blue cards. Uh, that right. could pose a problem. Yeah, let me know how that works out in the aggro matches. It's, uh, yeah. it's not going to work out well. So. Let, let me tell you about some of my flips against orange-based decks. It, uh, we'll leave it at it didn't feel good. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I guess we'll close up shop there. Any other shout-outs or anything you want to call attention to? Anything coming up, Scott? I know you'd mentioned some of the articles and videos that are going to be going up. Uh, so you can read my article if you haven't yet on Flip Density, which if you're listening to this, you probably already have. Um I believe we'll probably do additional coverage of that tournament. So we'll have deck techs from you on Aerobots, which will pretty much just state a lot of what we just said, I think, um, if I remember correctly. And then there'll be a deck tech on the Double Grimlock list as well. Um, We have a tournament, as you hear this, coming up uh, this coming Saturday. So it's the 30th, um, where Devastator will be legal. Uh, which I'll be curious to see who's actually how many people are actually going to run Devastator, which I assume I'll probably play it. <laughs> a handful of people, I would think. <laughs> um, so I, I think the cards themselves will probably have a more impact. Oh yeah, I event. expect to see work over time all over the place. 
Yeah, and I think I think you'll see Reclaim as well. Um, yeah. Especially if anyone runs uh, Starscream, they should be considering that card for sure. Um, but I, I don't. Obviously, as of this recording, I don't know what I'm playing, and I'm assuming we're probably going to record earlier next week so we can playtest again yep. for next week. So probably, probably a good idea. <laughs> won't know next week what I'm playing that Thursday either. So. Well, we we might be able to spoil the gauntlet, maybe, for uh, anybody who wants to get a, a leg up, I guess. Um, I Yeah, I do really want to try Devastator. I'm trying to work out how, in Primus's name, we're going to actually beat certain matchups with it, but we'll see. It, it's still, uh, until I get the cards in hand, which I'm really excited about, um, I'm not going to know for sure. So The key, the key is more than other your dudes don't mean anything. Oh, well, yes. <laughs> I mean, it. it's funny you say that because, yeah, it's, oh, well, that guy is three attack and four health and one defense. Like, that's nothing. Until you sit down and play the play a game with it and you realize it's worse than nothing. It's like, right. it's like negative. It's bad. Right. Like, it's one of those that it's, it's understated and it's just... It's almost comical the first time you put it out there, and you're like, "Oh well, literally, no matter what I do, that guy's dead." Okay. Yeah, the three attack guys are fine. It's like the two, the two attack guys. You're like, man, this is just not a lot of they, attack. They they do nothing. <laughs> Let me tell you, the the first time you swing into a chop shop and it does zero, and it's just like, oh, womp womp. Yep. <laughs> But anyway, uh, I know we said we're closing up, so we're really going to do it this time. I want to thank everybody in chat. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And tune in next time for more Random Thoughts.